Good evening and welcome to the Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast. It is post-holidays, Pittsburgh Pirates Rant Podcast. Man, the holidays were exhausting. I think I mentioned this a little bit on Twitter. I did a lot of traveling. Um, I was down in Philadelphia. We had an Airbnb. I lost my car. I lost my credit card. Just a lot of things were happening. We had the family thing. It was nice spending time with family. It really was. It was probably one of the better Christmases that I've had in a while um, because I just felt more present this year for some reason. Um, I don't know why. Well, you know that I had um, some tough times like around the pandemic and stuff like that. So maybe it was the first normal Christmas after my mom died and post-pandemic, you know, because before that, you know, I was selling my mom's house. Then my aunt died. I was selling her house. I was doing all sorts of things. And um, then the pandemic hit and all sorts of other things happened. So I kind of feel like this was a nice holiday to spend in Philadelphia. We took the dogs walking around town. That was fun. Um, you know, me and the wife just had, we were stressed but then we had a day yesterday, the 26th, where we just chilled out and uh, we went out and grabbed some lunch. We went to some pet stores with the dogs. We walked around town, you know, and then I've been pretty tired, too, just because of all the driving and stuff. So I took a nap when I got home. So this is probably the most normal time that I've had, like caught up on sleep, haven't worked at the grocery store in a while, had a little bit of a break doing the holiday stuff. And now we're in that week between Christmas and New Year's when maybe some of you guys actually have off. Uh, I know that my wife has off because she's a teacher, but I also know that it's not really a busy week if you're in sales, if you're in business and stuff like that. Typically, like a lot of people take off. Not a lot of stuff happens this week. So, um, but I do think, you know, I, I follow the pirates a lot and sometimes I read between the lines and the fanboy media thinks that it's making things up. But I can generally get a, a sense of what the Pirates are thinking and what their plan is. And I think there has certainly been a paradigm shift just in the last few weeks. And I don't think it's, it certainly didn't directly have anything to do with Cody Duncan's letter. But I think it was sort of a, um, a sense of uh, the Pirates organization uh, knowing that a lot of people weren't. Um, renewing their season tickets, um, knowing that a lot of other teams were spending money. Uh, I think after they got crushed with the My Guy Vinny thing, I think that at the time they were planning on having um, Vince Velasquez be their pitching signing for this year. Um, But I think since then, when they realized that they were getting hammered a lot, and maybe they're just preparing to trade Brian Reynolds, and that's that remains to be seen. But they have spent an unusual amount of money just in the last couple weeks. And um, I think it's money well spent, you know? Uh, and here's why. I'm friends with some um, coaches on Twitter that DM me from time to time. And uh, one of their concerns was, um, or at least a couple of the guys had concerns that, hey, you know, we're just going with this rookies thing. There's nobody to help out the young kids coming up. And that would be what you would logically do if you were trying to win. And you remember when I was thinking that they were going to try to lose again this year to try to get a top pick? I think the culmination of events, um, probably the first one was 
Brian Reynolds requesting a trade. The second one was getting the number one pick in the draft. And then the third one was just people really not liking our guy Vinny <laughs> when they did that, um, you know, that post for him. Like, we got our guy, even though nobody wanted Vince Velasquez except for the Pirates, which is why they got him really cheap, you know? So I think that there was um, probably decided over the holidays, you know, like obviously before Christmas and whatnot, um, but probably decided um, over the last few weeks that we got to do something about the Pittsburgh Pirates, um, just the way people perceive the team. And I, I truly think this happened. Uh, and I really think that um, Bob Nutting did okay, a little more spending if not saying, hey, man, you know, go out and sign a few guys, you know, like putting pressure on Ben Sherrington to make a few signings that might help the team. Um, because, you know, they spent a decent amount of money, if you think about it, if you add it all together now. Um, Rich Hill, who was signed in the last couple days, he's got an $8 million deal. And even keeping in mind that they're going to flip a lot of this money. Um, typically Bob Nutting does not like to have the risk, you know, and the risk is they have a year like Yoshi, you can't flip the money and you got to eat the money, you know? So even if they're going to flip some of this money, um, they spent 8 million on Rich Hill. I think they spent about 6 million on the catcher. They signed that catcher that can't hit a lick. But remember I said at the time that I thought it was a decent signing because he could really help the young pitchers. And then um, the word on the street is that Rich Hill could really help a lot of some, some of these young pitchers as well. Um, mainly Mike Burrows, mainly Quinn Priester, and mainly um, the guy that came up last year, um, the other Venezuelan dude that came up last year and had a couple good starts right at the end of the year. Uh, and then his last start was a bad start, but still. Um, I really think that now... In the last few weeks, they've actually done things that would help the team, that would actually point towards, hey, maybe we are. And I think they are trying to win more games next year. I think they threw that out as far as another year of tanking. And I think the reason it was easier to do that is because they have the number one pick this year. And because um, last time they had the number one pick, they were able to get three or four quality guys and even though the Penn State draft pick didn't pan out, they feel like they got at least three quality guys in um, the catcher, uh, Henry Davis, and the two pitchers. Because um, they both started out pretty good. You know, their arms look good. Um, the two pitchers were um, Anthony Solomedo and Bubba Chandler. So, you know, this is what I believe it was the paradigm shift. And this is why I believe they're not tanking anymore because they were able to land that number one pick and they think they can get some um, talent in that draft. And they also feel like if they have to trade Brian Reynolds, they can get some talent back there that the tanking is over. They just can't keep doing this anymore. It's really hurting the perception of the Pittsburgh Pirates, not only in Pittsburgh, but throughout the game of baseball, you know, Maybe on some level, you know, they're a little bothered that even the Baltimore Orioles started winning now. And even the Arizona Diamondbacks are making attempts to win. Uh, 
And even the um, Cincinnati Reds signed a few guys. Now, to me, the Cincinnati Reds have a really young rotation. They have four four or five guys that were rookies last year that are starters. And uh, I don't think that's going to work. You know, I think they have too young of a starting rotation. It's going to take a while for those guys to turn into Mitch Keller. And probably only two out of four of them will, you know. There's a lot of risk with, with young pitchers. Um, for example, the flamethrower that they have, he could go for another Tommy John, right? Uh, some of the other guys might not work out. You never know what's going to happen when you're trying a rotation with four to five rookies. And this would be their second year. So I think at this point that um, the Pirates have probably overtaken the Reds. And I feel pretty safe about that um, prediction. Um, just because the Reds haven't done enough. You know, they're, they're still tanking as far as I can see. You know, with an all-young rotation. Um, I really don't see them taking too much of a step forward. And even if you go back to the last month of last year, the Pittsburgh Pirates were beating the Reds on the regular. Uh, and even though... Um, the Reds kind of threw in the towel at that point. They were still starting their young starters and taking their lumps. And I think they're probably going to have another year of that. Um, the Reds have some guys coming up. You know, they have De La Cruz, who is um, one of the top four or five hitting prospects in baseball. Now, hitting prospects don't always pan out. We saw what happened to Spencer Torkelson. And we saw what happened with that guy on Seattle who was the number one prospect in baseball a few years ago. And it doesn't look like he's going to pan out at all. There's certainly still time for Torkelson to turn it around. Um, but this other guy, he's got like 600 at-bats now and a 140 average. So how how much longer are you going to keep throwing that guy out there? The, the answer is not very long. Seattle's probably going to try to get rid of him, you know, because and just give him a change of scenery because they want to win. And it's just not happening with that dude, you know. So that's the way I see it, is that um, the Pirates are probably a little better position now. I don't expect them to challenge Milwaukee, because unlike what some of the fanboys have been calling for, um, the Brewers did not trade all of their uh, veteran starters. They did not dump a lot of salary. In fact, they upgraded their team. They upgraded their catching position, and they signed a couple of relief pitchers. So They are not ready to tear it down. They're going to go for it, at least until the trade deadline. And then if they're doing poorly at the trade deadline, I believe that you may see the Milwaukee Brewers um, have a fire sale. The Cubs, I think, are better than the Pirates. You know, the Cubs went out and signed some real names. uh, And they already had a couple real names. So, you know, they have a veteran rotation um, in Chicago. And they have a few hitters as well. Um, The Cardinals are really going for it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't think they've ever had a payroll this high. Um, After signing the third baseman that always wins the gold gloves over um, Key Brian Hayes, they went out and signed two other guys. Um, You know, pretty much high-ticket guys, you know, like $130 million contracts. So, I mean, the Cardinals are going for it. And I think the reason the Cardinals are going for it is they recognize that the division is really weak right now. And they want to, you know, win a couple more divisions before the Cubs start getting good again. I think that's probably the plan. And, and you know, they always try to win. 
But I think there's a little bit of a sense of urgency in St. Louis. So, I mean, just briefly, I'm not making any predictions for the season yet, but I would think the Cardinals could win maybe like 94 games next year. I would think the Cubs could probably win maybe like 85, maybe, you know? And then I would think the Brewers are still going to be around 500 again. It just depends. If they if they start off hot, they won't have that fire sale. Um, so we'll just have to see how they come out of the gate. And then I think the Pirates have probably positioned themselves to be a fourth place team, which, to be honest with you, that's the better, that's the best they've been under Bench Arrington. Um, because for the most part, we've been assuming that the Pirates have gonna we're gonna finish in last place. Last year they tied for last place, but two years ago, uh, well, I mean the Reds were pretty good, you know. So there was nobody challenging the Pirates for last place, except the Cubs were pretty bad a couple years ago, but the Pirates were worse. So 2020, 2021, and 2022, and and um, I believe um, what would that be? 2019, yeah, I believe in 2019 they were pretty bad as well. Um, so those four years, um, the Pirates have been a dead last place. Uh, I'm not 100% sure about 2019. In 2018, they actually still had a pretty good record, but that was when things sort of started to go downhill. So if this is the end of the tanking and we're looking back on it, has it really been that many years? I mean, it's not as bad as the Sixers process. It was 2019, 2020. 2021 and 2022 and at least in 2023 they're going to make an effort to win and I believe they have a good chance to not finish in last place now the catcher they added can't hit a lick so it doesn't really help their um their lineup but I do think it should help their pitchers um the first basemans that they added well it certainly helps their first baseman compared to last year when they had the worst first baseman in baseball. And half the time, they weren't even playing guys at first base that were first basemen. And if you don't consider um, Chavis, you know, a first baseman, then then it's all year. They were playing guys at first base that weren't first basemen. So we actually have a guy playing first base who was a first baseman. And he's an older veteran, which is not always bad. Um, we have a catcher, playing catcher, whose main position is catcher. Now, we had that last year, but the guy blew his leg out. And then after that, it was just a hodgepodge of 4A guys. Um, second base, you know, I pretty much told you that I don't believe in um, Rodolfo Castro. But even if he craps out, um, you still have um, probably as soon as July, Nick Gonzalez potentially coming up and playing second base. So, you know, they're hoping that he gets off to a hot start. And he does well in spring training. And he's ready to come up to this team, you know, as soon as they're done manipulating his service time. And I don't have a problem with them manipulating his service time. Get him some triple A at-bats and whatnot, you know. You're not going to win big in 2023. But at least they're making an effort to win in 2023. Um, I can't believe we're 23 years into the millennium. That's how old I am, though. I still remember the... The 1999 parties, you know, and I guess what they called it was like um, the Millennium Parties. I can't remember exactly what they called it, but I guess it was a new millennium at the time. That Seinfeld had like a Millennium New Year thing going on. So 2020, it's been 23 years now since that happened. 
in a few days, which is pretty amazing. I mean, I don't have any plans for New Year's Eve. I'm off New Year's Eve, but I have to work New Year's Day, which is a bummer because that's when the NFL games are playing. But I think most of the um, playoff spots in the NFL have already been decided. So I could really care less, you know. The Steelers game has been flexed to a nighttime game. So I can sort of follow that at work, um, the Steelers-Ravens. But the Ravens still aren't playing their quarterback. And they have already clinched a playoff spot. And they they just want him to get healthy for the regular season. So you could see the Steelers winning again. Um, You're just not going to see them making the playoffs because apparently it's only like a 1% chance. Every other team has to lose all the games. So, I mean, that's not going to happen. But I guess my point is that I wouldn't mind watching the football games on New Year's Day. Maybe even a couple college games. But eh, I don't really care, you know. I'm not staying up late on New Year's Eve. I'm just going to have my normal day and get ready to um, do the truck and then stock some shelves on New Year's Day. And then while I'm at work, I can I can follow the Steelers game on my phone. So I'm not exactly super-duper excited about the NFL playoffs. But I am interested in seeing how the Eagles do. Um, and I was saying all year that um, the Eagles quarterback needs to slide. And I knew that, you know, any quarterback, even Buffalo's quarterback... Any quarterback, no matter how tough you are, and look what happened to, um, you know, look what happened to, um, we were just talking about the Ravens quarterback, right? So no matter how big and tough you are, you can't do that. You know, you can't run like a running back. You're too valuable to the team, and eventually you're going to get hurt. And that's happened with every single running quarterback in NFL history, but at least even more lately, you know, now that we're a little bit closer, closely watching um, concussions and Tua just went down again. I mean, you just can't take those hits as a quarterback. And another guy that has improved this year, but I think that same thing's going to happen to him, Daniel Jones, if he doesn't make sure he's, he's pretty good at sliding now, though, because he's been hurt a couple times. But I do believe that um, Jalen Hurts really needs to start sliding. And that Baltimore's quarterback cannot run without sliding anymore. He just can't do it, you know. You're too valuable to your team. And I'm sure the, the Steelers will probably be favored in that game just because he's not playing. So, yeah, I guess I'm interested to see, like, who comes out of it. Will it be Buffalo? Will it be Kansas City? Or will it be a, will it be a surprise team like the Miami Dolphins? Or even the San Diego Chargers or someone like that. And then in the NFC, you have um, the Eagles as the favorite. But everybody is kind of slyly watching San Francisco, I think. And the fact that Dallas's offense is starting to play better now and they have a lot of talent on defense, you know, I'm going to watch those games. Definitely the championship games, but probably the divisional playoff games as well. I might even take off work for those games. But the reason why I think the Pirates are better than the Reds now is um, they've improved their rotation by adding Rich Hill because now you have Roanza Contreras and Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller's the one. He's going to get the home start. And Roanza Contreras might get the road start. You know, the first, um, well, let's see. 
Mitch Keller will get opening day if it's on the road. And then Rowanzi might get opening home day. That's how they might do it. But, I mean, Mitch Keller's going to be the number one starter for the team. But now you got Rich Hill as number three. And JT Brubaker isn't a bad number four. And even though you got a hodgepodge of guys that are pretty bad, you know, Oviedo's not really a starter. Vince Velasquez isn't really a starter. I don't know that any of those guys that they have, other than those four, are really starters. But it does buy you a little bit of time just in case um, uh, Michael Burroughs gets off to a hot start in AAA and looks really good in the spring. You know, He could come up right around the same time that Nick Gonzalez comes up. And, and you know what? You might as well trade Brian Reynolds now because wouldn't it suck trading him at the deadline if the team's actually looking better? If, um, you know... Maybe they're hovering around like a few games under 500 at the deadline, and then you got to trade Reynolds, you know. But let's say they're eight games below 500 at the deadline without Reynolds, but you know that um, Nick Gonzalez and Mike Burrows are coming up. Well, then you might feel a little better about the team, you know. It might make them a little bit more entertaining in August and September, and I think this is part of the paradigm shift as well. You know, they're tired of not selling any tickets in August and September. And I think for that reason, they have decided not to throw in the towel on 2023 and um, try to compete for a top three pick. It was basically for those reasons, you know, the Reynolds request, um, the response to my cousin Vinny, (laughs) and also um, nagging um, that number one pick or snagging it, you know. So you got all that stuff going on. It's all pretty good stuff, you know. Shortstop, you have um, Cruz, obviously. The most popular player on the team easily once once um, Reynolds is gone. That's another reason why you might want to get rid of Reynolds now in this offseason. Let some of these other guys step up. Um, certainly, Jack Sawinski sounds like he wants to step up into a leadership role. Um, definitely um, the uh, the closer. He wants to um, step into a leadership role. They got a lot of these young guys that are willing to step into a leadership role, um, including guys like Mitch Keller. And mm, I don't know. But you could see um, Cruz take a step forward. You could see Key Brian Hayes take a step forward. And then, yeah, the outfield is going to take a step back. But if they're able to bring in an outfielder who's ready to play from the Brian Reynolds trade, you might not be taking a huge step backwards, right? So Reynolds is gone. You're eight games below 500 at the um, at the trade deadline. But you don't dump anybody big, you know? Maybe you dump the first baseman, but um, Henry Davis is ready. That seems unlikely, but maybe you dump the first baseman and that guy we got from the Cardinals is doing real well, you know, at first base. Or maybe even Mason Martin's doing really well at first base. Who knows? Anything is possible, right? Um, you know, I like Ma- I've like i always liked Mason Martin. I'm not giving up on the guy, you know. Um, he's a long shot at this point, though. A big-time long shot. He's like trying to pick a trifecta in a horse race, you know. The odds of Mason Martin doing well. After- he just did so bad last year. It's hard to imagine, you know that he's going to come out and be on a tear. 
But you never know. You know, it could happen. Andy Rodriguez went on a tear last year. And we expect Andy Rodriguez to maybe be ready if we have to flip that other catcher, you know. And these are things that um, the fans would get excited about. And they would be perceived upgrades. Now, I'm not saying that they're definitely going to be upgrades. You know, I'm not saying that Andy Rodriguez is going to come up to the major leagues and do well right away. Because most guys don't. Um, I'm not saying that um, Mike Burroughs is going to do well right away because most pitchers don't. It takes a few years. Again, Mitch Keller. Uh, and I'm not saying that um, Henry Davis is going to come up and hit well because he didn't hit well last year. He's probably not going to be ready. Um, but there might be another outfield. There's a couple outfielders that they want to try out. There's still the possibility, albeit slim, that um, the first-round pick from a few years ago, Swaggerty, is going to do well. I can't imagine he's going to be a starting outfielder ever. Um, just because he's never done well in the minor leagues. Another guy that might have a better chance is um, that um, Cannon Smith Nigma. Um, he comes from a very athletic family. His brother's a really good prospect for the NFL. Um, so yeah, who knows? I mean, you never know who's going to step forward, right? It could even be a guy like Connor Scott a formal number one pick. You just never know. The, the disappointing thing about last year's minor leagues is that nobody stepped up except for Andy Rodriguez and except for Mike Burroughs. And I've said this over and over, but I like to just remind you guys, you know, how bad it went for the minor leagues last year. And I think that was part of the paradigm shift to wanting to tank again in 2023. But then things changed again, you know. And the Pirates have decided to try to really take a step forward now. So if they're eight games down under 500 at the trade deadline, and they don't really dump a lot of people, maybe just a couple of those obvious veterans, maybe they try to flip Vince Velasquez, you know, they try to flip Rich Hill, they try to flip a few guys, but they feel like the guys coming in can at least replace them. And from a starting pitching standpoint, that would be Burroughs and maybe one of these other guys, right? One of these other young guys. From a um, relief pitch standpoint, they have a lot of guys that could come up. From a catching standpoint, they're hoping Andy Rodriguez continues to hit and stays healthy in the minor leagues. And then one other guy, which would be Ben Charrington's first number one pick, first first round pick. Nick Gonzalez, they are praying, or at least Ben Charrington is praying that Nick Gonzalez gets off to a hot start. So they feel like, okay, we dump some of these flip guys. You know, maybe we get something back, maybe we don't. But maybe some of these young guys are ready to contribute. And that was the idea years ago, was that 2023 was going to be this first wave of players and now it turns out the first wave of players is not the guys you thought they were going to be necessarily. Andy Rodriguez absolutely was not considered to be part of that first wave of players. Uh, Michael Burroughs was like a number 30 prospect at the time or in the 20s or something like that. He was not considered to be in that wave of players. In fact, Quinn Priester was supposed to be ready. But Burroughs, you know, has is much more prepared than Quinn Priester at this point you know, who had that really disappointing um, Arizona Fall League um, three weeks 
you know, and that's the most recent thing we're looking at. So, you know, I really feel like the Pirates don't think that Quinn Priester is necessarily going to be ready next year, but they do believe that Michael Burrows could be ready next year. So, yeah, I mean, this is a little bit more of an optimistic, you know, post-holiday. And a lot of it has to do with just the Pirates not throwing in the towel or not punting, you know, as um, DK likes to say. They went out and they signed a two first basemen. They traded for one. They got another. That are veterans that could help the team. Um, Choi is supposedly like a good team player. And they're hoping that, you know, now that they signed a few guys, that he's going to be a little more excited about being a Pittsburgh Pirate. Um, and they're probably done now. But I'd still like what they did with Rich Hill. Um, and I like what they did with um, Connor Joe, to be honest with you. Because at least they have a veteran corner outfielder to replace Ben Gamble. And those guys are re- roughly the same guy. Connor Joe, Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble didn't have a shit ton of power either. You know what I mean? He was like a 15 home run guy, same as Connor Joe. Um, so, yeah, why not, you know? I could now this team won 62 games last year, right? If they're eight games under 500 at the deadline and they managed to only finish like 12 games under, that is like 70 some wins. That's a potential possibility. They would still need a lot of things to go right, but it's not counting on just a bunch of young guys, you know? They actually went out and got established veterans. Rich Hill has been on the Dodgers. He's been on the um, on the Red Sox. He's been on pretty much competitive teams. Even though he's 43 years old, he still had an ERA under five last year. And that's better than most, most of the guys the Pirates sign, you know? Um, the only reason Vince Velasquez had an ERA under five last year was because he wasn't a starter. But maybe maybe he won't be a starter now. You know, we got four solid starters and we don't need a starter in April. So, you know, we'll just maybe they're just going to wait and see who does well in spring training. You know, they're going to they're going to have an old fashioned battle for that fifth starter. And it's a hell of a lot better than three weeks ago when they were still, I think, in their minds tanking. And our guy, Vinny, um, my cousin, Vinny was going to be their big signing in the rotation. There was a paradigm shift, and it shifted in the right way for fans. You know? Thank goodness. So at least I think we have a decent shot to finish in fourth place next year. Hey, that's something. Happy New Year. Peace out.